Peace go, peace the English translation of this Cree prayer song by Carmel Crowchild. All things holy under the sun bless me. All things holy under the sun bless creation. Trigger warning. This book and these readings contain graphic violence of all kinds, mental illness, PTSD, and various other traumas. It's fictional but it's not far off from real life. One Week in August is written, read, and produced by Kelly Carius. Hello, my friendly folks with an X. We're on to episode six, and I know that there are some people, at least one person, who is waiting with bated breath for this, and I know that I've been lacking in consistently putting out podcasts. So we're probably going to go down to one a week and make it a little bit more reasonable for myself to uh, maintain that one a week schedule and still do my work at Musquachis and still teach no such thing as a bully online and run the girls program for Musquachis online and the youth drop-in center online And then while we're at it, let's sneak a little bit of healing in there and maybe spend a day on hypnotism for quitting smoking. Live it up, stuff it all in, fit in as much as possible. And drop what you drop and pick it back up again when you can. So here we are, back at episode six, and welcome back. Knowing that we were going to be rushed at the office, Helen and I did a quick debrief in the car. So what do you think, she asked. Well, I think Jonas is dealing with post-traumatic stress. I, I don't know if he can really talk or not. With Mariah's reaction to that question, he's probably just not talking to anyone but her. She doesn't want him to talk, we know that for sure. Mariah protects Jonas, but we're not exactly sure of all their risk factors. Something's probably happening between Uncle Brady and Mariah, likely sexual abuse. It might have been her dad or Uncle Brady or someone else in any combination that was in the room when their mom was murdered. The children clearly witnessed the attack and have experienced God only knows what else. I'm wondering about counseling for them. Good job. You can summarize for Mark when we get back to the office. We'll talk to him about counseling, maybe a private court-trained counselor. They need something fast, and I don't think mental health services can handle this one. How are you holding up? That must have been rough back at Indos. I just feel terrible for the kids. It pisses me off that people just don't get, don't get it, don't get what they need, the safety. I couldn't even talk about how I was doing emotionally. Anger I could express, but not the stuff underneath. I hear ya. Helen replied as we pulled into the office. We're not going to have time to get a good discussion about this today. Let's get together tomorrow for a chunk of time. Mark was in the office hanging up the phone when we got there. That was Jimmy. We were having a little policy and protocol discussion about these children. Paul and Arlene need to know that they may end up testifying in court if the kids tell them anything. They already know they have to keep notes of what was said, 
and not to ask any questions about it, just to track the spontaneous statements. The RCMP is being good about making efforts to keep these kids out of the courtroom right from the beginning. Summarize, Mark ordered. I gave Mark the situation as briefly as I could. Helen and I both knew the targeted questioning would soon begin, and we'd probably feel like idiots about the things we'd missed even thinking about. How did the girl seem emotionally? She was calm at the beginning of the interview, apparent sadness at the mention of her mother, fear when speaking of Uncle Brady, and panic, then blank avoidance affect when confronted with the idea that Jonas might talk. What do you think happened with Uncle Brady? Sexual abuse, maybe? We'll need to talk with her grandma and grandpa first, determine the situation. Mark looked thoughtful. Has the boy been seen talking at all? What happened when they spoke to the boy separately? The interview is done with both children. Mariah was gripping the boy's hand so hard, I don't know if they could have been separated. Hmm. That might have been an evidentiary mistake, but not our problem. We'll watch and see what happens with it. Why is it a problem, I asked. If Jonas later gives corroborative information of what his sister has said, defense might be able to avoid it because of the joint interview. They'll have Mariah's testimony anyway, so it should be okay. Were the children observed by themselves? No, the interview broke down so quickly and the situation was quite unstable, so the children weren't left alone at any time, even to do an observation. Fair enough, but we should arrange to do that here. See if we can see Jonas talking. If he and Mariah are watched while they're alone, we might be able to tell if he's just refusing to talk. It's too bad the previous file doesn't say anything about his speech. Have Paul and Arlene been rebriefed about post-trauma care? I looked at Helen for help. She'd been the one to speak with the Rileys. Not really. There wasn't a lot of time. They've recently had the foster care training, though, and they know the kids have been through a trauma. I didn't give them much information. Maybe we should talk about what to tell them. Well, right off the bat, it's good that they know that the kids have experienced a trauma. How did the kids react when they were told that their mom was gone? Helen and I exchanged brief, shocked looks, speechless. The kids still didn't actually know that their mom had died. After the interview had disintegrated, Mariah hadn't asked about her mom again, and we had sent her off with Elizabeth without finishing the conversation about her mother. This was not good. You know what you have to do, Mark said. I stared at him blankly as Helen looked uncomfortable. Helen, do you know? Mark asked. We have to go tell them, Helen stated flatly. Let's talk a little bit about perception. You might have heard in the reading just before this section, some friendly fire crackling sounds in the background. That was from YouTube. Um, and it really was just a friendly fireplace, no music, sounds. It's a perception to help me beat the cold, um, believe that I have a fireplace, hear the sound and interpret my surroundings as a little bit warmer. Now, these social workers have 
all kinds of perceptions going on, as well as maybe some traumas and and maybe some forgetfulness. Because how about forgetting to tell a kid that their mom is dead after they've been involved in a situation like this and and then ask the question, what's happened to my mom? It's interesting. It's interesting what each of us perceives as, as something big or something small. I have the friendly fireplace on. You might have been hearing that snapping and crackling and popping in your ear is a terrible thing. Oh, well, I'm just sitting here in my in the warmth of my fake fireplace. Something as big as how's my mom doing from a kid's point of view. Hmm. Easy to forget when you're a grown-up social worker with, with just so many other concerns and things on your mind. So it kind of also brings to mind the thoughts about parenting and the way we were parented and maybe the way that we parent now if we if we have kids sometimes things that are so so big and important to a kid don't even get noticed by the adults around and uh one really good good story or good um thing that illustrates this in in my life as as i perceive it is uh when i was very young I'm not exactly sure how old, but I'm going to say about eight. Um, Our neighbors across the street lived through a terrible, terrible tragedy. Uh, A child aged, I think, about 10 died, as well as his father and his grandfather in a fishing accident. And I remember my dad going to Tobin Lake to search Um, and knowing what the lake was called, even though I had no concept of where that could possibly be except for so, so far away. And, um, and eventually I I think that, that everyone was found and there were funerals and, uh, and the whole thing just really bothered my, my little eight year old heart. And there was nothing I could do, but, um, there was a there was a sister involved in this whole situation and she was a little younger than me and i i remember giving her my my barbie motorhome cherished possession and then being so afraid that my mom was going to to learn that i did that i kept it hidden from her behind her back so that she would never know and when when she did find out She didn't care. Different perceptions, different different lives, different things that we take in. It's all very interesting. Uh, And with that, I'm just going to give you encouragement to help those little people in your your life along and give them an extra big hug and listen to their perceptions. On to the story. How are we doing this? I asked Helen on the way over to Paul and Arlene's. We're just doing it, she replied curtly. She was angry. I was silent. Paul and Arlene met us at the door. 
Mark had called them, and they already knew what was going on. We were giving them more information than we usually gave foster parents, but this situation called for it. One thing I like about Mark is that he's not afraid to get involved in the frontline work of protection. Some managers, probably most, figure their time at the front line is done and won't help out like that, but we definitely appreciate it. Mark's briefing of Paul and Arlene meant that after a, a small conversation about how they'd settled in and what they'd said, good and nothing, we could go straight in and talk to the kids. My stomach was queasy and I realized that I hadn't eaten lunch or breakfast or supper. Mariah and Jonas were sitting on the bed looking at a picture book. Mariah was holding Jonas's hand again, or maybe she'd never let go. She looked up at us. Jonas kept his eyes on the book. Arlene said you were coming. Arlene is nice. That's good, Mariah. I'm glad you like Arlene. Mariah, we came to talk to you and Jonas about your mom. Mariah lowered her eyes. My mom goes away. Where is my mom? Mariah, honey, your mom died this afternoon. Jonas looked up quickly. He might be silent, but he sure wasn't slow. His big sad eyes filled with tears that ran silently down his face. A low, slow moan came from the deep of his heart. He made no other sound as the tears continued to course down his face. Mariah was frozen in her stillness. A blank look returned to her face. Helen and I looked at each other. This wasn't quite what we had expected. Mariah, do you understand, baby? The blank look slowly faded. Yes, my mom went away again. I just have to wait and she'll come back. She always comes back. We just have to be patient with her. Be patient with me, she always says. I rubbed my palm, feeling the 20-year-old imprint of the quarter from behind my ear burning with a low radiating heat. A numbness ran down the back of my head, through my spine, and made my legs feel like jelly. I was horrified and overcome with my own emotion. I didn't think there was anything else we could tell her. She'd have to wait for her own imprint to go away. Helen, firm and gentle, said, Mariah, I'm so sorry, honey. Your mommy's not going to come back this time. When someone dies, they don't come back anymore. I'm so sorry, honey. Very quietly, Mariah murmured, You're wrong. You're a liar. You'll see. I left Paul and Arlene's with a sick feeling and a still-burning palm. This was all so open. No reaction to her mother's death. No idea what was going through Jonas's head. I was not happy with how this was going. We didn't talk much as Helen took me back to Indo's neighborhood to pick up my car. As I was leaving the car, Helen said, I'm sorry we can't talk about this now. I just, I have to get going. My daughter's birthday party was this afternoon. I got in my car and headed for home. The day's events passing through my head. Cruel and painful events. How did Helen keep it together? Helen's words echoed in my head. My daughter's birthday party was this afternoon trading one kid for another, and I pulled over to the side of the road, and I cried. I guess this episode is going to be more 
rant than read. It's a variation of what happens. I can never quite tell when I start how things are going to go. I wanted to uh, to talk a little bit about professions I admire. And, um, you know, I'm over here really doing the easy work, talking into a microphone, sharing some thoughts, making making up stories, um, making Zoom links and, and doing training and, and, and talking to people about what they're experiencing, but never having to make any of those decisions for people. I just have to, I just have to listen. And, and ultimately my, the people that I, that I talk with, they decide what is the, what are the right steps for them. Um, I might share some ideas, but in the end, I'm not making decisions the same way that I used to in my career or the same way that so many other careers do. And so I just want to throw out some kudos for, um, you know, people who, who care for other people in their homes, people who are who are respite workers or or home care workers who who help people in ways that you can't even imagine if you've never done that kind of work. Um, nursing and nurses, especially now, all health workers um, in this time of of COVID when things are so difficult. Child protection workers who are making decisions about about kids and families and what might be best for them. I hold those professions in in really high esteem and and I know when I when I've been doing some of them uh, not the nursing but care for people with disabilities and uh, uh, child protection and then another big decision making one uh, was as I was expert witness for Court of Queen's bench. Uh, in matters relating to the custody and access of children, and and I'm glad I'm I'm glad to have I'm glad to have laid that um, responsibility down or some of those responsibilities down. But I have to give a big shout out and kudos to all of those people who are still carrying those responsibilities. And uh, I think it's amazing work that they are doing. It is absolutely essential work and uh, and God bless all of you. So as I said earlier, it's still the end of November. I, I'm starting and finishing this podcast on exactly the same day. Um, even though I thought I would have it done days before. And so my my message is go easy on yourself. Again, you might drop a ball, you might pick up a ball. Sometimes whatever happens, happens. I hope you're enjoying this as you follow along. We're going to end with uh, the very beginning of the very next day. Believe it or not, it's not going to be Sunday anymore the next time you listen. It's going to be Monday. The Secret Part 3 The voices were visiting as she walked through the supermarket, 
That lady, that one, watch her, watch her, watch her. Look it, look it over there. That's no good. Change it, change it. You have to change it. The voices were stronger. She whirled around and she could see that people were looking at her. Some were looking up behind her. Cameras, the fools. They think she doesn't know that they're watching, but the voices tell her. She left the supermarket, marching to the beat of the mantra in her head. Standing in the bushes across from the supermarket was better. Less cameras here, but they were still watching. She knew that. They'd been watching her for a long time, but they never approached her, so she knew they couldn't find her. She could see one of the people leaving the supermarket with a small child in the basket of the cart. The adult unloaded the groceries, leaving the child in the cart. The child started crying. Wrong, 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 the voices said, and the mantra in her head continued. Thanks for listening, my fine, friendly folks with an X. Please visit nosuchthingasabully.com to learn more about what I'm doing with regard to teaching communication skills and strategy skills to prevent both bully actions and victim responses, which all of us use. This is a system that takes the labels away from bullying. Please take a moment, have a look, ask me any questions that you have about the work that I'm doing there. That's no such thing as a bully.com. Thanks so much for listening to One Week in August. This has been Kelly Carius, and we'll be back soon with episode seven. <laughs>